0: Love, talk Radio Good morning listeners this is the voices of the war radio pro- program we're broadcasting today and normally um my co-host Christian uh, opens up but uh, this is uh, Eugene Fisher Christian uh, for because of family uh, reasons couldn't couldn't be on today so Mindy Griffin, the co-producer, will co-host with me today,
1: and we've got a special program
0: because today is Father's Day. Mindy, you want to say a word?
1: Oh, well, first I want to say Happy Father's Day to you, and um, I'm so glad you're out to be able to celebrate it. Um, Today's going to be a a great day. um, George will be calling in, and it's his first Father's Day free Um, and lots of other special guests, so I'm really excited about it.
0: Right. Billy Deak will be calling in. It's his first Father's Day free, too. So uh, our focus is going to be on uh, what it is, what Father's Day is to a prisoner, and uh, maybe we'll have a couple of people come on, like my kids, to talk about what it is for the children. Uh, you know mindy when you're when you're incarcerated and the holidays come, you try to forget them you try to wipe them out you, know, you don't want any part of them because you can't celebrate them and it's especially poignant uh Father's Day because your kids are out there, and uh, all through your incarceration, the loyalist people are always the children. And they, they come wherever you are. And they they go through all that, getting through the prison guards and shakedowns to come in and all of that. You know how it is. And the kids are there. And they're there on the phone and so on. And uh, it, it, it's a significant part of, of being in, in incarcerated. And it's... It's what I call ripping apart the family that, that our mass incarceration system has done. Nothing positive, very, very negative in, in fact. And um, it has a lot to do with the length of the sentences and um, the prison conditions. You know, it's uh, prison is an industry, and prisoners are, are, are the way that the, the industry is maintained.
1: They're a commodity.
0: A commodity, yeah, 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 a commodity, and they keep keep people incarcerated in all those years, those long, long years, and it it, it became it becomes more distant ever to with re, maintaining relationship with your kids, but you but you still do, and they're your kids, and they have that relationship with you, with the father. Uh I've seen Mindy, I've seen the the um uh, Mindy, would you hand would you talk for a minute? It's Billy Deacle calling on the, on my other line. I'm just gonna take it,
1: okay? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So so for everybody so you guys can know what's coming up today, we got we do have Billy Deacle coming on and he was um recently commuted. And um, at 9.30, we have Craig Cecil, and Craig is serving his 13th year of a life sentence in prison, Um, and I'm quite sure he's missing his daughter today. Um, 9.45 is George and George Martirano. This is his first year, um, along with Billy, free from being inside prison Um, at 10 o'clock we will be talking with Sherry Sicard. Sherry does a uh, Prisoner of the Month, um, and so we're going to be talking to her about who the Prisoner of this Month is. And um, at 10.15, we will be talking to Amy Pova. Um, Amy is, has some exciting news, and we will be also having a special guest on with her. And then at the end of the show today, we will be talking to... Craig, uh, I mean, excuse me, To uh, Eugene's children, all four of his children will be coming on to give him a special Happy Father's Day and to talk to us a little more about what it's like to be children on the outside um, with their fathers on the inside. So um, hopefully we will be getting Eugene back here shortly with Billy Deagle and... In the meantime, I want to give a special shout-out to Kristen. Um, Not only has Kristen got some family things going on, and I want to make sure and let her know that we're all thinking of her and hoping for the best outcomes, but Father's Day is a difficult day for Kristen, who is a child of someone who was in prison. And as most of you know, her dad died in prison, so Father's Day for her isn't... um, isn't the same as it is for many other people. And a lot of the, the children of prisoners are suffering today, um, such as um, Amber, Amber Taylor, whose father is serving um, basically a life sentence. He's very ill in an Oklahoma prison. He got caught with a joint on his third strike, so he got a 20-year sentence, and it's got brain cancer. Um, feral scott her father is feral scott uh, he is also a life prisoner and um again just marijuana and so today her and her grant her children are without their grandfather um chris williams his son sage is missing him today um chris martin his children and andy martin are missing him today um i could go on uh, i could go on for a long time with the names of prisoners who might be okay i'm back
0: i'm back on mindy uh i was i was talking to billy there was a confusion of telephone numbers but he's calling in he, he, you know, he's walking on the beach with his ah. seven-year-old granddaughter, and this is his first that, first Father's Day outside, out free.
1: Yes, that, that's wonderful.
0: Can you picture
1: that? It looks like I can I actually was picturing that, which is why I went so silent. I'm sorry, but we do have Billy on right now, Eugene. I'll go ahead and I'm going to patch okay. him in so we can get going on that.
2: Okay, okay. To the uh, uh, people, you know, the kids
1: that oh, Billy? are uh, uh, Yes. Hi, Billy. Hello, Mindy. How are you today? All right, all right.
2: And you? Was I on just I'm, earlier
3: or, or
2: You're on the you're show. On you're live, Billy. <laughs> Okay, well, like I said, I was listening uh, just earlier while I was holding And how ridiculous it is for people to be in prison Missing their children uh, for uh, something, uh, marijuana You know, which is, uh, to us, is not even, could be considered a drug But to the government, it's considered the schedule, what, one or, or whatever Like the worst drug there is and, uh, that's, to me, is, uh, about as crazy as it can get. <laughs> so, uh, so give us
0: Give us some idea what's happening to you today on Father's Day.
2: Well, I took my, uh, seven-year-old granddaughter for a walk down the beach, Crescent Beach, collecting seashells. And, uh, that was really a, a very, very good, uh, experience, uh, I missed uh, the last 26 uh Father's Days and and Christmases and everything else that goes along with it with my children and uh I got a 17-year-old grandson who I've uh still haven't been able to uh spend he will be here uh this week but he was down in the Keys uh with his uh uncle and cousin so uh he's he's not here right now but uh we're uh you know doing things that uh you would expect normal people to do uh, on these these uh, holidays and all and and I thought uh like my wife and I were talking the last year when they were here they uh who would have thought that I would be here on the next year because I was as you, everyone knows, and you know and' known for a long time that uh I was scheduled to Die in prison over marijuana, which brings me to something I don't know if I discussed uh, last time, I don't believe I did, how I came about getting a life sentence, actually two life sentences. Yeah. Plus now, now, tell us the details, Billy. Tell us the details. I, I, I had a partner, the full partner. Who was on every count of the indictment that I was on? It was a fourteen count indictment. I was on uh ten counts. He was on ten counts and uh I received it was for importing over a thousand kilograms of marijuana, which, as I said before, is definitely against uh our country's laws, but to me, it's not against nature's law which I believe nature's law it trumps uh, man's law all the time. And, and so I got, they took that, they gave me for conspiracy to import over 1,000 kilograms of marijuana one life sentence. They gave me to, for conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute the same 1,000 kilograms of marijuana another life sentence. Then they took those 1,000 kilograms of marijuana and broke them down into individual actual possessions, what they call substantive acts in the law, possessions and importations. And I got eight 30-year sentences for each of those. And this is all the same marijuana. And to me, I think that's a little overboard. I'm not a lawyer. I can't understand how you can just keep using the same thing to keep giving more and more and more time, breaking it down. I I could say uh, I like sports and things, and in football, I think the referees would have uh, flagged the government for unnecessary roughness on that, if you follow what I mean. (laughs) That's, that's, I mean, that's... uh, That's that's not just a little overboard, that's way overboard. And that's the thing that uh, that I believe, that uh, I really hope that President Obama is able to carry through with his Justice Department reform. I'm sure he's not going to be able to get it reformed as much as he would like in what time he's got left hopefully whoever takes his place will continue on with it because the laws have these, especially these drug laws have got to have some kind of sense that a, that a normal person can understand. If you don't understand something, you can't respect it. And if you don't respect it, you're not going to go by, I say that a crazy law and. uh, that's uh, uh, you know you have you've seen it in prison, Gene. Uh, so many times somebody will go. They'll have a lawyer. They don't have any idea what what they're looking at when they get there. The lawyer tells them, "Well, you you can plead to this, and we'll get uh, uh, you'll get so much time." They go plead to it. Okay, I'm I, I either, I'm either gonna get thirty years, or I can get ten years if I plead out. They plead out and then they go to sentencing and the uh PSI man, the pre sentence investigator, and the prosecutor and all they start coming up with a whole bunch of other stuff to add on. Okay, you pled to ten years, but we look at this, you did this too. We're gonna give you we're gonna enhance it for this. We're gonna give you more time for this. And then wind up getting almost the max anyway, after after they pled guilty. But uh back to my part about my uh uh partner who was on every count that I was on. He got ten years sentence. He, wow. was just, he was just as culpable in the crime as I was. His record Why did why did he get
0: ten years, Billy? Did he did he snitch?
2: He got ten years because he furnished Uh, substantial assistance to the government so they could go out and arrest other people, more and more people. And uh, he snitched. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. So the way I look at it, I say, well, he done the same, we both done the same thing. I got a lie sentence not for what I did, but for what I didn't do. I did not cooperate with the government, which should not be against the law. I went to court, which should not be against the law. That's a constitutional uh right to go to court. face your accusers But right. for doing that, I got punished with a life sentence, and further you know furthermore because I refused to. I'm not going to send anybody to prison or be part of sending anyone to prison over marijuana. It's just That's something that's not, you know, it's, it's against my principles in life. I could not look in the mirror and say, the man I'm looking at is somebody that I have respect for, if I did that, you know. And to me, that's a very important thing. The mo- one of the most important things in life is to be able to look at yourself and say, you know, that's somebody that I would like. I like that person, and there's uh that was like say that's something that I could not, would not, and did not do, and it almost cost me my life.
0: Billy, let me ask you point blank: uh, uh, what, what did they nab you on? Was it was it flying in a load of marijuana from Belize?
2: in an airplane uh, yeah well i did I, I was i was not uh caught red handed with nothing now i admit that that's, i was doing what they said i was doing but not all of the counts i the, i think they uh a couple of counts there they uh they just lied about it but uh i guess the people that were uh snitching it enhanced their snitching position by going ahead and throwing me in a, another count or two but uh, what difference did it make after the first life sentence? <laughs> Whether well, I got six 30-year sentences to go with it or eight 30 30-year sentences to go along with my life. I
0: hear I hear that you flew those airplanes right at sea level, bringing them in under, under the radar right into the United States.
2: Well, that's true. I don't I don't deny that. that and I'll tell you, I, I started flying when I was 16 years old. And I flew, uh, I had a Part 135 Air Taxi certificate. I had a flight school. Um, I did, uh, I was a flight instructor. And uh, I never, what that flying, the smuggle flying, was the most free flying, most fun I ever had in flying in my life. And, I, you know, it was kind of addicting. To uh, to some extent, because uh, it's it was you know it was just uh, laissez-faire, I guess you'd call it, it as a
0: <laughs> Well, I'm I'm of a, of I'm a, 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 a the same time as you are, Billy, and I remember the the marijuana was flowing into to Florida
3: all over, all over,
2: and you know why? Because there was a demand for it. If there would not have been any demand for it, there would not have been a supply. And that's nature's law. They call it the supply and demand. It really should be demand and supply, because there would be no supply if there wasn't a demand. We were following nature's law by supplying the demand. And it happened to run contrary with the government's law on the war on drugs. They want to keep fighting the war on drugs, the same way by trying to stop the supply. It'll never, as long as they need to focus on the demand side through education and rehabilitation. You've got to educate the kids when they're young against the dangers of drugs. And then you got to, the people that want rehabilitation, that education didn't reach, you have got to furnish them rehabilitation, and that's the only way that you can cut down the drug, uh, the supply of drugs, is cut down the demand for it. And you got to understand, you can't. We're not going to be able to save everybody. It's it's just uh, it's, it's one of those things. The drug war. Now I haven't done any drugs in over twenty years myself. And to me, the drug war can only be fought by yourself. It's an individual war, okay? When I refuse to do drugs or don't do drugs, I've done really all I can do on the drug war. I've won my part of it. It's up to the next person to win theirs. And if they can't, if they, you know, you, I can't fight the drug war for anyone else. The government can't fight the drug war for me. You've got to fight it yourself and you got to and the best way is to educate the young kids against drugs.
0: Well, uh, Billy, let me ask you a question. You see, drugs should
2: Go ahead, Gene. I can not hear you.
0: Seems to me like over, more than half more than half the states now have marijuana is not medical, marijuana is fine, it's legal. And recreational, they're saying the same
3: it, thing it, for
2: recreational. To me, marijuana is not even a drug. It, it, to you, it's not, I mean, as far as uh, uh, any more than, you know, I, I don't classify it as a real, a real drug. I mean, it may be uh, on the fringe or whatever, but it's not, uh, that's not what's causing the Country's drug problems with marijuana Yes You
1: seen hey, uh, Yes oh, I, I really quickly wanted just to jump in And say that Craig Cecil for, Might be calling in at any time From federal prison and if, if He does we will have to uh, Cut off okay. this interview But I wanted to point something Out about what you were talking The two of you were talking about um, Okay So Billy, you were bringing all this marijuana in, and the government gave you a life sentence for it. And here in Oregon, in the first four months of recreational use, Oregon brought in almost $7 million in taxes. So where you had to give your life, we get to get $7 million in taxes. And I just... That just blows my mind that the government can make so much money off of putting people in prison like you for the very thing that other government agencies are banking off of. And you- the amount of of weed that leaves a dispensary, and I I can I can I bet the amount of weed that leaves a dispensary here in Oregon in one day is probably more than what you ever got across the country, maybe not. Maybe that takes them a week, but that's—I mean—that's <laughs> yeah. that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard.
2: I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. But see, you can look back too. Also, uh, uh, years ago, Gene, remember this: that uh, the uh, lottery was uh, what is called—they uh, used to call it Bolita or Cuba—and all, and it was all illegal. But now the government's doing the same thing. And so the illegal, the people that were running the illegal numbers rackets and all, they're out of business. And if they legalize drugs, the drug dealer's out of business. They would have to go on to another, illegal. they'd have to go get them a job or they'd have to go on to something else that's illegal, which people would respect. Okay, if if I'm making my money on the corner selling heroin or crack or whatever, and all of a sudden, the government's got a sponsored government-sponsored heroin shooting house or a crack house, where they could actually register all the users and know who's using and what they're using. Then I would be out of business because that person, instead of coming to me and buying it, they would go and get their fixes at the crack house, and the person wouldn't have just getting their fixes wouldn't have to go rob a bank or endanger public safety to get their fixed. Now, if I'm the drug dealer on the corner, then I've got to go get a job because I'm out of business on that, or turn to other crime, which is a crime that is respected by the people. And I'd go to prison for that instead of, you know, if I chose to go to other crimes. And uh, I hope I said that were it could be followed. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not real good at getting my point across, or, my, or I what
0: I'm trying him. to say.
1: But no, you're, you're
0: expressing yourself well, Bill, Billy. I'm curious for, for our audience' sake. Was did the government say
2: anybody got
0: hurt in your case? Was there any violence in your case?
2: No, no, absolutely no violence. No violence at all. Uh, the uh, yeah. The, the, there was there was no violence, and uh, it was it was just really and truly, they tried to build our little uh, band of smugglers up as yeah you know, I, I I equated it as fishermen, you know when somebody catches a fish, they're they're always going to exaggerate most fishermen anyway how big the fish was. Well, when we got busted, they wanted. To, Exaggerate how I do it. A big drug, you know. They got, they had me as a sophisticated criminal leader, organizer, large-scale drug. And we, I, I told people, I said the people that I was with, we were just some good old boys trying to do our part in supplying America's need or thirst for marijuana, and we were more likely like the Dukes of Hazardous a smuggling instead of some <laughs> real big outfit. <laughs> so, so uh, that, so Billy,
0: Billy <laughs> I, I guess in synthesis, you and I got life sentences for nonviolent crimes for something now that's being legalized all over the United States.
1: Right.
2: And it's, like I said before, uh, last week, at the sensual crime where everybody that was involved with it, it was okay with
1: them. Wait, you're telling We're me you happy. weren't forcing people to buy or to smoke your your pot? You didn't shove that down anybody's throat?
2: I sure didn't. <laughs> Whenever I showed up, everybody was happy, and they wanted to do it again. When are we going
1: to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Well, Billy, tell us again, uh, give, us, give us a feel, give the listeners a feel for how it feels to be a free man on Father's
2: Day. I'm going to tell you what, every day it, I, I'm still in amazement that just a, shoe, a few short months ago I was in all of that craziness at uh, the B.O.P., and this, you know, and I really, really feel bad about the friends who are there, Andy Cox, Sticky Lynn, John Knott, they, the, they go on and on and on, that you know are still suffering and having to put up with the craziness that they're putting up with, and you know what kind of character these people are. And there are people that went to trial, and there are people that did not snitch or cooperate with the government because if they had they wouldn't be there
0: absolutely absolutely you're right there are comrades we left there I I love what you say about being free because I feel the same way Billy I I thank God every moment that I'm free isn't it nice not to have to stand up at four o'clock to be counted (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yes, and then if you want to get something else to eat, if you feel like seconds, <laughs> you can get some. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that's indescribable. I mean, it's you know because you lived it. I know, Randy. We, you know, the people that have lived it, we know. But it, it and it's hard to it, it's really cannot be described. It's something you got to see. Like what oh, was that Jimmy Buffett thing album? Uh, uh, you had to be there. <laughs> if you, you wasn't there, you okay, really hey, Billy.
0: Tell us about your family's response to uh, 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 to your freedom and and to this Father's Day.
2: Oh, they they're, they're uh, like uh, my wife. She. Uh, she just said uh, at today at breakfast. Who would have thought the last Father's Day, when they were down here the same? We're staying at uh, Crescent Beach have got a condo rented, and then they they come down here every every year,
3: and or we,
2: I, me now, with them. And uh, she said, you know, who would have thought last Father's Day that uh, that I would be here, and that's uh, it's certainly. Uh, we, you know we we're always hoping for a miracle, and that's basically uh is is what happened is a is a miracle and uh i like i say, I don't have nothing but uh uh respect for uh president obama uh doing going stepping out and doing what he is doing uh for the in this clemency and I just hope that he continues on and does more and more and more. And whoever takes his place is elected president continues on with the uh, Justice Department, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, revamping to get it to where it, it, it makes sense.
0: Billy, do you know, just not, not too long ago, there were, were people carrying placards, carrying posters for your freedom. There were people I, making up petitions I, for your freedom. There was a whole bunch of people who said yes, that Billy Deakle shouldn't be in prison.
2: Hey, and I really uh, thank every every one of them. And I got letters from people, and, and I got pictures and all uh, of that, it, it, the things. And it's, uh, you, you know, we've heard, you know, you you... We were in Lewisburg together back in, what, 91, I guess it was. And, you know, we've heard almost every year that this November, there's something coming before Congress that's going to help us. And we'd heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And after a while, you get kind of numb to it. Well, we really hope something helps us this November. But the last 15, 20 Novembers, nothing's happened. And then... People are really, really trying to help us, and you know that they are good people. Their heart is in the right place, but they are fighting a a monster, and that's what I've told them before. I said that this, the Justice Department, the way it's working to do what it has done to its citizens, a war on its own citizens. Is it's got to be a monster. You are really, really got your work cut out for you, but they persisted and they have enough to for me to get out, get clemency, and, and a lot more. And uh, hopefully, the rest of the marijuana POWs will be released very soon before uh, Obama goes out, President Obama goes out of office.
0: Very soon. When you tell tell your story, uh, here's here's what runs through my mind. Here's the uh, the 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 radio program or the television program I'm, runs through my mind. I want to let the, you guys the,
1: know that Craig is calling in right now, so we're gonna um, okay. be just a second. Let, let's
0: let's get Craig on. Thank you for coming on the show. Happy Father's Day to you, Billy. Thank and you. the very best.
2: All righty, thank you, and talk to you later. You. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. Thank you, Billy.
2: Yes, ma'am. You're welcome.
1: Okay, Eugene. Um, let's see if we're getting Craig on okay. now.
0: Listeners, Craig Cecil calls in from federal prison every week. Good morning, hey, Craig. Good morning, Gene. Good morning, Gene. <laughs> good morning, good morning, Craig. Mindy and I are on today. Christian has a family problem and couldn't be on. Uh, she sends her love. But we want to we start out and ask you, who is your happy Father's Day? And I know it's hard being,
4: being incarcerated and talking about it. Uh, tell us what it means to you. Well, as I've uh, announced before, Father's Day in prison is a bad day. It's not a, or at least for me, it's not a day I celebrate. It, it's it to me it, it's very difficult because it reminds me that I'm that I am in prison and I'm not doing what I should be and being a uh, a parent to my my child, you know. It so to me Father's Day uh, as well as many of the holidays uh is something I dread. That the only thing I usually look forward to on a holiday such as Christmas or all that is we we generally
3: this call is from a federal
1: prison <laughs> but
4: outside of outside of eating better which we don't do on Father's Day um, I kind of dread Father's Day because it, it reminds me of what I'm not doing for my children and you know what what I should be doing and I'm stuck here and I'm not able to do that I'm not able to interact with my children I'm not able to to be the father that they deserve I
0: paint, paint a picture for us of the visiting room and what happens between children and their fathers when there's
5: visits.
4: Well, so often is the case, and it wasn't in my case when my children first came to visit me when they were, uh, what, 11 and 13 years old, is the children just love to see dad. There's a, there's a bond that, of course, develops, as we all know, between a parent and a child. And uh, and when it comes time to leave, of course, the child doesn't get to see their parent very much if they're imprisoned. And, and when it comes time to leave, the child just doesn't understand why they have to leave, why dad can't come with them when they're finally reunited. And um, it ends up being a really emotional time when, when kids have to be literally pulled away, you know, from the... From the prisoner, by whoever brought them, and, and you know, taken out of the visiting room. It, it's a very difficult time for both the prisoner and the children. Yeah,
0: when you say that, Craig, I, I had a vision of my youngest kid uh, around 10 years old, and he held on to my legs and he wouldn't release him
4: when he was trying to leave. Yeah, the, the children don't understand that they're finally reunited with their, their father but then they you know again they have to be pulled away have to be separated and you know I don't know how you, you you know you make a child understand or accept how how you make them accept that
0: uh, we were just talking to Billy Deagle who as you know had a life sentence like you had and I had and Got a, he got a presidential uh, uh, pardon. He was released for, through President Obama. And I was, I was saying, I was double times on the radio, audience. you got to envision this picture. Here's a man. All he did was marijuana, uh, and for that marijuana, which now is legal in most, in, in more than half half of the states, and and without any any victims in this crime, he was told he was going to die in prison and given a life sentence. And someone looked at his record and said, This, this doesn't make sense. This man has done 25 years or 26 years for something that's legal now, and he hasn't hurt anybody.
4: And, and by contrast. Uh, Go ahead, Greg. Oh, okay. By contrast, Billy's seen and you've seen and I've seen how many violent offenders, especially bank robbers and uh, even sex offenders, come to federal prison and go home while we're still stuck here. My my Sally, who recently left, robbed a, a bank in Minneapolis, one in uh, Wisconsin and one in Indiana. And he was sentenced to three years in prison. He went home earlier this year. Now, I look, you know, he's victimized these tellers. He's, you know, by force took money from the bank, from the tellers. And he was sentenced to three years where, you know, who can point to being victimized by you or by Billy or by me? Nobody. There's something wrong with that law. (laughs)
0: There's something wrong with what's happened in society. Period.
4: Uh, Billy, I,
0: I, 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 and Craig, have you been in touch with your with your child today?
4: Nope, I will be. We're we're scheduled to to talk later on today at our really at our pre-appointed time. So. Okay. How old
0: How old is she now?
4: Well, now she's 28 years old. So. She's no longer a child like when I left her.
0: But she's still your child.
4: Absolutely. She, she still loves her father and, uh, and she shows it every day as much as she can. So I mean we're with that bond is still there even though there's a lot of hurt injected now that our relationship is limited to over the phone and our you know, our occasional visits. Does she come to the prison to visit you? Yes, she does. Yes, uh, she has the same boyfriend for many, many years, and the two of them come together and uh, have been real good about coming to visit me, and that's, that's the highlight of my time <laughs> is to be able to visit with her and, uh, and hear about her life and see her and, you know, actually experience her in person rather than just a voice on the other side of the phone.
0: Greg, uh, uh, give, me, give me an idea, give the audience an idea, as you look around at where you're at, to you see all of these men, many of whom are fathers, they must, there must be a lot of, must be a blunt feeling
4: in there. Well, it, as you can probably remember, I'm on the top tier right now looking over the, the railing into a, a day room or a center area where there's some tables and chairs set up and there's people mulling around playing cards and all that but today being Father's Day it's a fairly solemn day you know people aren't as loud and celebratory because they're feeling the hurt of you know the painful phone calls they've had a experience of their you know uh, you know from their children missing them and uh, you know and they, of course, missing their children and being reminded of it on Father's Day. Now, we do walk around, and many of us do wish each other uh, fa- a happy Father's Day, but there's really no follow-up because uh, there's no sense in, you know, having to tell each other about the pain we're receiving. But looking over the rail right now, it's it's a fairly solemn looking, solemn-looking group of about 50 people down there.
0: Uh, is there going to be any kind, of, any kind of meal today for you on Father's Day?
4: No, no, there's no holiday meal for that. No holiday meal? Uh, no.
0: When I, when I started my incarceration, holidays used to be good times for prison meal. And it, it, even at, at Christmas time they used to give us two corner hens. But I
4: understand now that all of that. Yes, most most of the holiday meals have kind of went away from when I started. Uh, well, uh, nearly 15 years ago. So oh. that a lot of that's been scaled back for whatever reason.
1: Craig, how is the no, uh, bologna if... sandwiches going? Are you guys uh, are you guys still eating something other than bologna, or are you back on the bologna diet?
4: Now the good news is uh, I've been over a week now without a bologna sandwich. <laughs> oh, now, remember yay. in January, remember the month of January, we received a b- bologna sandwich for supper every single day. <laughs> wow. So we're, we're oh, doing my gosh. Much, le- much better than we were in January. We, we It's only while we're locked down and. it certain other occasions do we have turkey bologna sandwiches.
1: <laughs> and has the dental continued? Or, are people still getting their dental treatment?
4: There is some dental services available, but unfortunately uh, uh, the dentist has been forced to care for some patients, but the only services he'll provide is extraction of teeth. Uh, they're not providing any fillings or... Any of what you would consider normal dental services, but if a tooth is, you know, has some sort of problem or whatever, the the dentist will pull them. So we're we're still pushing here to to get a dental department, like many of the other prisons have, but we we're not yet there. We're we're working on that.
1: Are there any right. other uh, recent um, issues going on in there? That any other issues causing you guys
3: stress?
4: Now, it's, luckily, it's been pretty quiet here recently, and the, there's rumors of a new warden and, you know, things of that nature, so many of us are hopeful. Now, I don't know if you heard, but uh, um, I was chosen, uh, along with uh, another one of our acquaintances, uh, I'm sure you know Amy Pova of the Can-Do uh, Clemency Foundation.
0: Yes, yeah, she be on we later were... on.
4: hmm Yes, we were both chosen to be able to speak at a radiothon that they held out of uh, Washington, D.C. with a bunch of celebrities on uh, Friday. And uh, oh, the, the only bad part is, is you two needed to be there. <laughs> the reason being is when I first called in at the appointed time, none of them knew that on a prison phone call they had to press 5 to accept the call. <laughs> so, oh,
1: no. How is that they did not know
4: that? <laughs> so I I called over and over and over again, and they, they would, you know, listen to the recording and hang up on me. <laughs> oh. okay. How frustrating well, did, is that? <laughs> well, I did about 25 after three. Uh, one of them did, you know, hang on long enough to accept my call. And they actually uh, had it set up fairly well. I was uh, interviewed by a federal judge, Judge Mark Bennett from the Northern District of Iowa, who does a lot of writing about, you know, that he believes that our sentencing laws need to be changed and that. And he ended up interviewing me. But as you know, and uh, he and the other people on the show didn't know, is that at at 3.30 – our phones are automatically shut off in preparation for our 4 o'clock count. So, unfortunately, I only got to speak to him briefly, and then the phone just turned off.
5: Right. So,
1: we needed to pe- uh, That's a bigger audience, or maybe not bigger audience, but a different audience than what, who hears you. So, the good news is, is, even though you were only on there for a short period of time, your
4: voice got further.
1: This call is from a federal prison.
4: And, of course, their their specialty is celebrities. So they mainly dealt with uh, a bunch of celebrities they had on the show and some politicians and judges and some people like that. And when they heard that beep we just heard, they didn't know what that meant. <laughs>
1: oh, well, I guess they now know, thanks to you, Craig, a little bit more about the prison system.
0: <laughs> That's we we extend a very happy father's day to you in a very bad situation of your incarceration yes we well, love you thank Craig. you
4: thank you and and thank you and i love all, you guys of and all with you. yes thank you very much and and it's made such a difference to me and like i say even the prisoners around me that know what i'm doing on the phone right now and uh They get a boost out of that as well, that, you know, that somebody out there remembers that we're here behind the razor wire. It makes a difference.
1: Oh, well, there there went Craig Tinkle.
0: That was Craig. They cut him off automatically because that's how the system works. Uh, It's part of the Um, torture of prison that they'll only give you 300 minutes a a month to speak and only 15 minutes at a time. And you must pay for yeah. it uh it, it it's it's part of the system. it costs you around sixty dollars a month to to call three hundred minutes and uh more more than most of us pay for our mobile phones
1: absolutely, and um most of us make a lot more money than they do to pay for it. Um, Eugene, we do have George on next, and I'm really excited to talk to George this morning and wish him a happy Father's Day. Is it okay if I bring him
3: on?
0: Bring him on. Bring him on.
3: I'll, all righty. Here he comes. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning, Christine. How are you doing, Jean? Good morning. It's well, Mindy,
0: is... Mindy. Mindy and I, Christian can't be on today, George.
3: Oh, let's go. Let's she go. has let's a
0: family go. problem, but Mindy is okay. been gracious enough to come on. Hey, Georgie, this is your first Father's Day free.
3: Yeah, I have my daughter. Give us some insight. She's going to be on the show. Uh, It's my first, uh, last Father's Day uh, with her. She was four years old. Okay, and uh, now we're, I took her basically, we're at Wildwood, New Jersey, at uh, my aunt's home, my Aunt Lorraine's beautiful home, and we're just having uh, a surreal time, and you know, reminiscing and talking and met a lot of family and a lot of family they were born uh while I was away, so it's just amazing. An awful lot were born were born while we were away and uh and uh, her name's Francesca and I like to uh, I like to put her on because I think and her voice Francesca her voice she could tell it much better than I even though I'm you know, sometimes a professional has to back away. you got to hear it from the heart. And, uh, yeah, this is Mindy and Gene, They're the hosts on the show. And this is Francesca. Like, again, it's been uh, many, many, many sad and too long years that a father's been kept away from her daughter, ladies and gentlemen. Here you go, Francesca.
1: Hello. Hello, Mindy. Hi, Gene. How are you?
0: Good. How are you? Tell us how I'm it amazing. feels to have your father with you on this Father's Day.
1: It's kind of an indescribable feeling, but it's 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 amazing. I, 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 I can't this, imagine how exciting that must be.
0: I, I I was with your father many years, incarcerated, and I had okay. a vision of, of of how it must have been. You were four when you left him, and you were a grown woman when he came came
1: out.
0: Is that
1: right? Yeah. I'm 37 now. Wow. Yeah. So it is it is, is is Hello? We must have Eugene must have accidentally hit the mute button or something. I uh hello. I want to hear Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? Guys. Oh, okay. Hello. Um I'm curious if if you could give some hope to the other fathers that are still in prison. Um, as a daughter, I know that I haven't ever lost the need to have my daddy around now, no matter how old I've gotten. And I, I imagine that, to a certain extent, that's the case for you. And um, does having him back now make up at all for some of that loss? Of course. 100%. It was... It- You know, it was a really long time. I always had faith. I always knew he was going to come home. I just never gave up. Like, there was never, you couldn't tell me that my dad wasn't coming home. Like, I wasn't trying to hear it. And it's all you have to do is have faith in the Lord above and pray that, you know, things go okay when you go to court. And you just always have to pray, keep your faith, and stay strong. Absolutely, keeping that um, focus and that positive attitude makes a huge difference. There's a big difference it between does. people with... It's hard. It's not easy if I, to keep I, a positive I, attitude. No, I can't imagine. That's a lot of years, over 30 years that you missed having your dad with you. And having and I also and not just my mom having and my him, while he was incarcerated. I'm sorry, what was that? I also lost my mom and my brother nine months of each other while he was incarcerated, and my grandfather was murdered. Oh my goodness! So on top of all I, that, so how did you keep such a positive attitude amongst all that? Um, um, I think my mother and my family just instilled a lot of a lot of faith, and I was just, you know, built built to be strong. I don't know, just how my family always was. You know, That's no the way day. you were no drawn, huh? To cry, but always keep your faith. Go to God. I don't know. God helped me through a lot. That's amazing. Well, I just want to congratulate oh. you. Thank you. I want to awesome. congratulate <laughs> you on having your dad back, and thank you for telling us a little bit about what that was like, and um, and just enjoy the day and the rest of your day. Of so, course. And another thing I would like to say to, you know, daughters or children whose fathers are in prison, always go and visit them. That should never, ever, ever, ever stop, irregardless, because that helps you build the bond throughout the years. Hi, Eugene. We got you back on.
0: Okay. I I don't know what happened. Francisca, I have a question for you. Uh, You're watching, you're out here watching the laws of the country change and how people are saying well marijuana really isn't that isn't isn't what we said it was and in fact it's been legalized uh, over half the country What's you feeling about what they did with someone like your dad or myself giving us life sentences for something now that really is legal
1: i think it's just disgusting um i don't understand a certain way these people you know a lot of these judges and they have control over people's lives and they don't really get the consequences of really what they're doing and now that something's legalized and it's going to be completely legal in the United States soon and, and a man that did 33 years for that like took it away from his family I didn't have a mother I didn't have you know my mom passed away my brother passed away like I needed a father and it was all because of her of weed like It's insane to me. It makes absolutely no sense, and our our system is really screwed up, 100% screwed up, because you have child molesters and rapists that get out in six months' time, but yet you have somebody who goes to jail and gets locked up for marijuana and does 33 years. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. There's any logic in it.
0: I, I, do you have any anger towards the system because of what happened?
1: A hundred percent, yes. I,
0: I ask that question because that's my children are like you, Francisca. Not one of them feels good about the system that kept their father 25 years, your father 33 years for something that now is considered legal and for crimes that there were no, no victims. They were
1: victimless. Uh-huh. No violence. But, yeah, there's cold-blooded killers that are out there, and they're out in seven years. Put back on the street and do the same thing over again. Like, they repeat the process. They need to figure out where the priorities lie. But it's sad to say, I never think it's going to happen. And this is why a lot of kids rebel against cops, because, and, like, you know, the judicial system, because there's, we don't have a belief in it. I don't think there's any justice. It's backwards.
0: It's completely Francesca, I'm curious. You you mentioned your mom and your brother passed away while your dad was incarcerated and also your, your grandfather. Who raised you?
1: Uh, my mother raised me up until I was... My mom passed away when I was 21. After that, oh. I just rolled for self. I I've been on my own for a long time.
0: Okay, I got you. I thought you were, young, uh, you were younger when she passed.
1: mm Thank God. Thank God I had my mother.
0: That must have been very traumatic, though, losing, losing your brother. Your brother died in an accident, I understand.
1: My brother got um, killed in a motorcycle accident. There was no justice for that either. And my mom died of cancer nine months prior. And my grandfather got murdered, and there's still no justice for that either. But yet, he will keep my dad and men like you in jail for years and years and years. It's just, it's crazy to me.
0: So you were 21 year old, and you saw, the, and and you lost everybody, and your dad was still in prison with no release date. Correct. That, that yes, must I, be very traumatic for you.
1: It was, but you got to just keep a positive outlook. Like, I always knew my dad was coming home. Nobody could tell me anything different. I would have, until the day I died, there would have been no way he was dying in a cell on my watch. That just wasn't going to
5: happen.
0: You know, your, your, your father and I are like brothers. I love him dearly. I'm so happy it's, you got out also.
1: It, yes, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing.
0: Uh, oh, so what, yeah. you get, what are you gonna do with them today? What are you doing with them? Tell, give us um, an idea. right
1: now we're probably gonna go to the beach. We're at my family's on the shore, so there's a lot of family members that haven't seen them yet. So it's kind of like a little bit of a, you know, Father's Day reunion, and I get to see a lot of my cousins and, you know, eat some meatballs and sausage and have a good day.
0: <laughs> okay. Typical
1: Italian Sunday.
0: <laughs> it's a big Italian family, right?
1: Exactly. (laughs)
4: Yeah,
0: and food is center of it all. You know, uh, while your father and I were doing our time in prison, the prison meals became worse and worse.
1: I can imagine.
0: It it didn't. There weren't. We just talked to a man who was in prison, and we asked him, "Are you having any kind of? Is is there any special meal they're having for you today?" He said, "No." Uh, The only redeeming thing is. When they don't have the the terrible bologna sandwiches, uh, which, <laughs> which is a common food in prison.
1: He ate soup, I think, for like 20 years. <laughs> he ate all, all different kinds of soup. I don't think he's going to be eating soup again for a while. <laughs> that was his thing, soup.
0: Well, I, when I was with well, your dad, uh, 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 you know, we in prison we exercise. It becomes a, a, more than a routine. It becomes a way of life. And he was a runner, man. He would run around that track, and I understand he's still doing
1: it. He does. He first thing he did this morning was wake up and go to the beach and run.
0: Okay.
1: Do you so run that with That routine, that's like instilled in him. That will never stop. And. But my father was like that before he went away also. He always ran every day before he was incarcerated from when I was little, always ran around the city that we're from. He'd run around Philly before he got his day started. That was always a thing of his. So I think that kept his mind going through all them years too. Okay. Well, guys. My um, dear, it was
0: wonderful having you. We're getting a call coming in. Are we getting a call coming in, Mindy, from – from, yes, uh,
1: we have we have Sherry on uh, coming Sherry. on here in a second.
0: Yeah, uh, um, uh, yeah. Georgie, you want you want to you want to come back on the line briefly?
1: He sure can. Hold on one second. It was nice talking uh, to you. Thank you again.
0: Thank you. It's a, it's such a pleasure to talk to you.
3: All right, Gene. This is Georgie signing off.
0: Yeah, Georgie, it was wonderful talking to your daughter. I'm so happy that you're there with the family on the beach, right, uh,
3: right, you know,
0: right. uh, I, love you, I love you like a brother, and yeah. we, we, had, we had Billy Deacon before, he's on the beach with his granddaughter. And Well, that's
3: what the show's all about, it's showing, let's show the people that they kept, you know, we were human beings, we had families, we had people that loved us, they kept us till we died, because we so weed, come on nonviolent violent first offenders, they were going to keep us from and we had all this love waiting for us. We were over-punished, and we're not mad, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there. We're not mad. We just want the powers that be to come to their senses and create a better philosophy of incarceration for humanity. Gene?
0: George, okay. I don't think anybody can question the fact that it's ridiculous that something like marijuana, which is which people are recognizing and legalizing throughout the United States, and they put people away like you and me and others for life sentences for the same thing when there was no victims, no crime committed. Ridiculous.
3: Absolutely. Well, like I said, all we can do is do, it, do the best job we can. Uh, you got Mindy there, you got Christian there. We have all our other friends out there on the West Coast. Just stay the course and hopefully, hopefully we'll shine the best light we can on the situation for change. Absolutely. I want to make sure and
1: say happy Father's Day to you, George, and thank you so oh, much okay. for sharing. Thank sharing you. Your Mindy. Thank
3: you. I'll, I'm hoping to be out there on the West Coast soon, and I'll see all my oh, yeah. West Coast friends. I'm looking forward to it, believe me. Looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, till we till we till we meet again and talk again. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Have a wonderful right. Father's Day. All right, bye bye. Bye. Mindy. Yes, sir.
0: That was wonderful, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it was. It I it always is wonderful here in George and I uh, am hearing his daughter. You could definitely tell where she got her spirit from. Um, Next up, we have Sherry Sicard, and she is going to talk to us about uh, her Prisoner of the Month, and I imagine anything else that's fabulous going on in her world. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Sherry on. Good morning, Sherry. How Um, are you?
5: Good. I don't have a Prisoner of the Month, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. But anyway... From but, my imagination, uh, clearly. Hello. Okay. So how, They're all so prisoners of my month.
1: Any news for any of your prisoners that are on, on your list?
5: Um, not particularly no other than a few of them have uh case numbers and we know that the Portland Attorney's Office have been looking at some of their cases, but beyond that nothing solid. um, I understand
1: Paul Free got some disheartening news.
5: A little bit, yeah. The uh, Supreme Court turned down his motion, which is not a big surprise. We were kind of expecting that, but kind of sad that we were expecting that, but that is the way it goes. Uh, Actually, kind of an interesting story connected to that. Um, Paul has new evidence in his case, which should mean he's entitled to a new trial or to go back into court, but the lower courts have turned him down, so he took it all the way to the Supreme Court, which at first turned him down. This was, like, last December, and he asked me to call them and point out the fact that there was new evidence, which I did. And the clerk told me, and I quote, oh, we just go by with whatever the lower court says. Oh, geez. So, uh, yeah, I questioned, well, what is the purpose then, of the Supreme Court? And she got quite yeah. agitated at that and told me to call back and tell him to file again. So he did file again. Say we're considering it and then decided to turn it down. So we are so. But we know the pardon attorney's office has been looking at his case. He does have a case number. Uh, Andy Cox has a case number now too, which is great. Um, and. Uh, Hopefully, we're trying to get another attorney for Antonio Bascaro as well because the attorney he had resigned. And so uh, looking into getting somebody new that will represent him as well.
1: Well, if people want to help yeah. you with any of these projects, how can they find you? Uh,
5: they can find us online at the org. How how, or is, on, how
1: are they going with your... I, I've been on your uh, page a couple of times, and um, this is your a new group you've got going on. How's that going for you?
5: It's going well. Um, we have a website up with a lot of profiles. There's still new profiles being added all the time because we're discovering new prisoners all the time, um, so we continue to add to that, and we have been reaching out to the press a fair amount. And working on a budget now to do a billboard campaign is our big project coming up. So hopefully next year we will be able to do that, but we have quite a bit of fundraising to do first.
0: Sherry,
1: uh, I'm I'm curious.
0: I'm I'm, I'm curious. Uh, You you represent prisoners who have life sentences for pot. What is the public reaction, have you found, to, to the fact that, People can get a life sentence for pot.
5: Well, when they, they learn the truth about it, of course, they're shocked and outraged. But I think one of the hardest things as an activist for this cause is it's so unbelievable that a lot of people don't believe you. I mean, the public assumption is if there's a life sentence, there's a dead body somewhere. So it's very hard for a lot of people to just accept the fact that that's not true in this country. There's a lot of people serving life sentences for nonviolent offenses. So that's the biggest obstacle, I think, to get through to get through somebody's head because you know they just naturally assume if somebody has got a life sentence, something really awful happened and somebody is dead, and that's just not the case. Well, I see well, that as not- the biggest challenge.
0: Sherry, do you think that the families? Of pot prisoners are the kids who are becoming adults do you think they're disillusioned with our our justice system
3: well
5: sure they have to be I mean who could blame them I mean they've lived this through their whole lives you know they've grown up without a parent and they've seen the injustices and they've seen how people get railroaded through the system and how the system is designed to keep them there and they've watch their father stay incarcerated while violent criminals get released. So, of course, they're disillusioned. I mean, even somebody like me that doesn't have a personal connection, I'm disillusioned. I mean, George said we're not angry. Well, I'm angry. I'm not even a prisoner, but I am angry that this is allowed to happen in my country. Um, Sherry, Sherry,
0: George said he's not angry, but his daughter said she was.
5: Okay, I get that, yep.
0: And, and we talked to Billy Deakle earlier, and he, his family is is angry. People are upset over what we have supposedly as a justice system. The justice system's purpose is to keep us safe. Not right. one bit of safety is done by putting people in prison for pot.
5: No, not at all. And it's just a waste of taxpayer resources. And My earlier books before I got into cannabis were on government, on citizenship, on how our government is supposed to work. So when I got into the cannabis movement and then especially when I discovered the lifers, this is about as far away from the American ideals of how our government is supposed to work as we can get. So yeah, that definitely makes me angry. This should not be allowed to happen in in our country. And uh, man, as time goes on, I'm just having a harder and harder time reconciling that this is allowed to go on, and most people don't even know about it, and a lot of people just don't care or think there's nothing they can do about it. So uh, it's it's very depressing to me.
0: Sherry, this morning, Billy Deacle said his co-defendant, who was accused of exactly the same crime as him, got a 10-year sentence because he snitched, he cooperated. There we and have Billy, Billy got a life sentence and did 27-some did years.
5: You've got and to that's hear something that something I and say to shocked. people a lot, too, is that the people that are serving life for marijuana are some of the people with the most integrity I have ever met in my life. These are people who refuse to sell out of hers, you know, who refuse to scapegoat somebody else and they're paying the ultimate consequence but the amount of integrity it takes to do that is just astounding so these people really deserve our support and our respect and they deserve for us to fight for them they do not belong there
0: well said uh, how, many, how many people do you represent now that are doing life sentences for pot
5: um about 14 but we're adding some more so there's I think 13 or 14 on the site now and then uh, we have a queue of probably about that much again so that we're working on and you know, just take time to vet the cases and so for about our
0: li- listeners sake you're telling me at least 14 and maybe double that amount and oh, yeah, they're all doing life sentences without parole. Some of them are life without
5: parole. Some are uh, de facto life, and we define de facto life as anything over 25 years or a sentence where the inmate will be over 75 years by the time he gets out. So some of them have like 50-year sentences and such. Um, Antonio Vascaro, our longest-serving marijuana prisoner, is a de facto life sentence. He'll be out in a few years, but... He's already been in 36 years, and he's 81 years old. So it's really important he gets clemency now.
0: But, but stop Stop for a minute. I, I want to paint that picture.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: He's 81 years old. Mm-hmm. He's done 36 years in prison right. mm-hmm. for marijuana. So he's become an old, old man sitting in prison. I understand he's in a wheelchair.
5: And um, Off and on, yeah, off and on, but... Um, he can walk with a walker too. two, uh, and he's an amazing man. He's very he's sharp as attack. Um, he's still optimistic. The resilience of these prisoners astounds me as well. How they're able to stay positive and stay hopeful and he is. Um actually his friend Alberto Rosales got out that clemency recently, so that gave him hope. Um, and Alberto was also 80 years old And had been in a long time And they were in the same prison together in Miami So that that really gave Antonio hope too But uh, it's, it's a constant struggle And as I said, his uh, attorney that was appointed By the Clemency Project recently resigned Because he just said it was beyond his capability And uh, hopefully he will get a new attorney We're trying to work on that and help him um, I know several people are But, you know, this man's clemency should not depend on the inexperience of a volunteer attorney, and that's really what it's coming down to in a lot of these cases, and that's tragic because this clemency project has not been funded. There are no qualified attorneys, so it is coming down to just volunteers, and sometimes these cases are just beyond their ability, and that's what happened to Antonio. And The attorney said he deserves clemency. I just don't have the time or the resources or the experience to handle it. In the meantime, he's rotting in prison. Wow. We were
0: talking to Billy this morning, and it's a, just a sheer miracle that he got got out. I also have a friend of mine, Ron Farah, who had who was serving a life sentence for for pot, who's just got clemency from the president. Also, oh,
5: yes. Yeah.
0: Part part of the irony is that. President Obama's doing a good thing, but this is it's just a few prisoners.
5: It, right, so there's many, so many I, more. Yes. And somebody in there for a nonviolent marijuana offense, that should be a no brainer. Let's just let all of them out. You know, can we agree on that? Um, you know, it is only marijuana, there's no violence in their cases, that should just be an automatic. But sadly so far it isn't. Um, but yeah, Billy was a joyous day. I remember the day Billy got out, his daughter uh, emailed me first thing that morning going, you know, they called him into the office. What do you think that means? I'm like, Well, I don't wanna get your hopes up but, you know, when it's happened before that's been good news and we're expecting clemencies and uh and then it's like about a half hour later, she wrote me back, he just called, he's out. <laughs> and, then, and just about that time the phone rang and it was Andy Cox who was in the same prison as Billy who's telling me the same thing. And I, and I answered the phone going, I heard. And he's like, how did you hear already? <laughs> and I it was via social media and Billy's daughter. Um, so, yeah, there was just everybody who was hooting and hollering and it was a big celebration there at the prison. So that was very joyous. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was telling Billy this morning, uh, not so long ago, you and others were carrying placards for Billy and yep. we were getting petitions signed, and there was all of that. That the universe was uh, it must have heard
5: the voices. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had hundreds of letters we collected for Billy that were sent in, and. Uh... And we're still continuing to do that for the prisoners that are in. So, um, And Kristen and Mindy have been really helpful, and Miguel and people up in the, the Pacific Northwest as well. So, yeah, we've been sending in hundreds of letters for each of these guys. So I hope it makes a difference. Oh, well, yeah, Sherry, your, efforts, good, um, your efforts
0: make, make, make a difference. There's no doubt about it. Right, Mindy?
1: Absolutely. Cherry's Sherry's efforts make the rest of our efforts really um, – you know she puts the bow on it for sure um well she's a catalyst for a lot of it so i i really appreciate sherry's help um and sherry was there uh anything any last words you had our next guest is uh, about to come on the line and so it's time um, for us to just move. also
5: check out our website we have a page under the activism section that's our birthday club Um, which lists uh, all the birthdays coming up for marijuana wifers, and we have a few birthdays coming up uh, in this next month. Uh, Jimmy Roman, Andy Cox, they both have birthdays coming up in July. Also, Charles Cundiff, who's in the halfway house, uh, has a birthday on uh, July 3rd, too. So send a birthday card to a marijuana wifer.
1: Thank you very much, Sherry, for letting us know about that. I'll be checking that out.
5: Alright, thanks guys, thanks for all having right, me
1: you Enjoy your rest of your day
5: Thank you, Sherry all right. you too. Bye. Thank you for all you're doing Bye-bye. Thank you
0: so much, Sherry Bye. Wonderful woman Wonderful,
2: Yes. Thanks.
1: And Who's now next? Yes, We have,
2: have, have
1: on. another wonderful woman Coming on up We have Amy Pova And um, I'm going to let Amy Tell you why she's coming on today I'm going to put her on live Good morning,
6: Amy Good morning, good morning, happy Father's Day to everybody
0: Good morning Amy, thank you for coming on, thank you of very
6: course.
0: much Yeah Thank you for the w- wishes
6: Well, I hope you're having a good Father's Day You're doing an admirable thing this morning with the radio program, working on Father's Day
0: uh-huh. uh, It's a work of love
6: Amy, hey, yeah. hey, tell,
0: tell us what's happening in, in, in Amysville
6: Well, um, you know, just... Uh, I didn't get to hear uh, Billy this morning because I took my um, husband, who's a father of four, um, but really five because he also also has a stepson to breakfast this morning. But um, I wanted to, uh, since Billy was on and it's my understanding Larry is going to call in in, uh, probably in about ten minutes, just say that it was uh, really an amazing moment when I got to meet Billy and Larry um, in D.C., and um, if Larry will give me approval, he said before he didn't want photo a bunch of photos on Facebook. He said, Facebook is just a big gossip column. <laughs> and so. But I'm going to try to uh, twist his arm so we can get the picture of Billy and Larry um, that everybody's familiar with, with the orange background when they were standing together in prison. And then we took a picture of them together in D.C. Um, and, and just show the contrast of them then and them um, free and smiling and everything because although we're in mourning for all the people who are still in, and sometimes um, it's <clears throat> very, very frustrating It is important um, to acknowledge uh, those that are coming out, because like you said, Eugene, it it is a miracle. I mean, it it really is a miracle. Uh, More needs to be done, that's for sure. But um, there there really is um, something to be said for uh, Weldon Angelos, and no matter how they get out, whether it's clemency or people who are literally boots on the ground, fighting every single day for these people and a lot of people as you've pointed out are doing things in all it's like a, a a bunch of planets orbiting the sun um and we're all pitching in and doing our part and um so it is remarkable that there are several of them coming out but um hopefully by the time obama leaves office all of them will be out wouldn't that be nice um you know, I, you know
0: Amy we had we had a Georgie Maturano on and his daughter and it was so poignant this girl was 4 years old when her father went away 4 years yeah. old
7: yeah
0: and and now she's an, she's a grown woman 37 years old but she's with them together and they're celebrating this is their first free father's day wow can you, can you picture this on the beach a big Italian family with all of the food and all of the, the hugs and love that's going on?
6: Well, that's important, and it's sad that so many memories are being um, robbed from people. But um, one of the reasons I came on was because we were anticipating um, that the White House was going to um, – uh, re- they're very covert and they're very secretive. So it's no surprise that um, uh, whatever, whatever we thought was going to come out today, so far we haven't seen it, and we don't really know what's happening. But I was um, here one day in the kitchen, and my phone rang. It was an unknown number, so I answered it. And um, it, it's, it's one of those things that really does take you by surprise when somebody says, um, hello, this is Elias from the White House and um <laughs> you wow think,
0: wow
6: yeah you kind of do a uh, what and um when i was at the white house um at the um life after clemency briefing um the guy who was instrumental in putting the whole thing together um with uh who who actually did it based on the suggestion of a friend of mine nikichi taifa with the open society foundation she's doing amazing things um he uh He gave me his email and he said, "Um you know we want to get you more engaged and um uh so I had uh emailed him a few times, trying not to abuse the privilege, but on a couple of things that I thought was important and um uh, including um getting uh Stephanie landa and Dina Browner and Jason Beck um on the last event that that happened which he responded to and and happily put them on the list but Um, they were, he, he was very covert, but he wanted, uh, Larry, excuse me, he wanted to know if I knew a white male, uh, who was a father who had gotten out of prison, but not for clemency. And, um, of course I said, Larry Duke was the first person who came to mind. And, um, yes, hello. Excuse
0: me. Hello. Oh yeah. go go ahead. I'm sorry. That was my my, my uh, 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 brother's brother. Uh, okay, mother- Any,
6: yeah, right. So anyway, he wanted um, Larry's phone number, and I believe Larry he's at the lake and grilling steaks with his sons. He said he's already deep into a couple of Budweisers, but he I think he's going to be calling in in a few <laughs> minutes and <laughs> and doing exactly what every father should be doing on Father's Day, um, like George and Larry and and the ones who are free. Um, So uh, anyway, um, Elias uh, uh, called Larry. And uh, so then Larry and I have been talking about, well, what do you think this is? What do you think this is? And Larry didn't know whether he was going to have to travel or whatever, but um, in true government fashion, everything was just very... um, Covert, but they alluded to the fact that they were doing something for Father's Day, and um, I'll let Larry, uh, Larry, talk about it. I don't know. They asked him a bunch of questions. Okay. And, yeah, and 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 who knows? You know, it's one of those things that that uh, we don't even know whether uh, they're going to do anything. But I think it was going to be around criminal justice reform. Um, Obama wants there to be something um, done before he leaves office, but it's uh, it to me, it's it's sad. That we have people like Senator Cotton and um, some of the holdouts who um, come from a such a flawed position that the people who are in prison somehow deserve to be there and, and should not be released. Um, I just like to say that prisons are a blight upon this nation, and um, I think it's embarrassing the, the, the leaders who have failed us in making us the number one incarcerator um on the planet and although there's a lot of goodwill right now um circulating um you can't you can't open facebook or turn on the news or uh twitter without seeing a lot of articles about this now it's sort of a hot topic and yet uh Government is always so slow To correct um, things that are so obvious As they are with the marijuana laws You know
0: It's unbelievable I think Amy That we can think That more than half of the states Now have said Marijuana is legal in some form or another
1: mm-hmm.
0: That that more than 70% of the population Has said it's it's fine It's legal And yet We've given and are giving up-to-life sentences to people for marijuana with no bodies, no violence. Mm -hmm. When you try to explain that to people, the reaction I get from the public, I don't know what what you get, but the reaction I get is, oh, it's not, that's not
8: true. Oh,
6: I know, yes, still, absolutely, yeah. It's not this
0: country, they don't believe it's, it's the United States of America.
6: Well, I like to tell the story when um, I was standing in front of the White House, the, the very first um, vigil in 2014, and a guy who worked for the government, he had a, a lanyard on, and, and he walked up to me and he said, uh, what country are they serving life in? And we had the posters, and I <laughs> I said, here, that's why we're in front of the White House because it's, it's it's here and we actually got him on camera and we got him to start talking a little bit about it and um yeah it's one of to me it's one of the best kept secrets in the nation including the conspiracy law because people don't understand where their time comes from and their time comes from the fact that if you go to trial the other people who are indicted in the same conspiracy who cut a plea bargain as we all know, and Craig is good about sharing this and, and many others, they get to go free, and the people who go to trial get uh, 20 to life based on the testimony usually and very little evidence.
0: Billy Deagle told us this morning his co-defendant, who was indicted over the same charges as he was, but he cooperated. He, he snitched. He gave up people.
6: Mm-hmm. He did 10
0: years, but he did life.
6: Yeah, that's, that's the formula. That's it every single time. And usually, um, every case, uh, just about every case is made because somebody gets caught and they start working with the government. And um, I really think that people should be, should just accept responsibility, but we our, gov- our the DOJ operates where they get to decide who gets to go free and the people who get to go free are the ones who will feed more people into the system. And that's just un American as far as I'm concerned.
0: But well, that's that's the uh, system.
6: Yeah. On a on on a positive note, um, you know, it's it's Father's Day and well, I can't even say on a positive note, but what I would like to do is, you know, give a shout out. I sent a, a happy Father's Day in to all the men that um, I, I uh, communicate with on CoreLinks. And, um, you know, uh, I, I really would like for all of us to take a moment and think about them and their families Google um, did a very beautiful video. Um, I posted it on Facebook, but it's the voices of children. Of course, you need a tissue because you're probably going to cry. But uh, again, it is important to, to realize that there are a lot of people now who are fighting to try to turn this thing around. Whereas it used to be, uh, it used to be a very lonely path, um, and people weren't interested in this topic but um, I really think that if we all just take a moment and your listeners think about the people who are in prison and, um, you know, uh, be willing to send them a card. Um, And and like Sherry had said, you know, send them a birthday card and and, um, acknowledge them. I know it makes them feel really loved and um, appreciated.
0: Amy, when I started to do my sentence... There was nobody, nobody out there. The first one who contacted me was Beth Curtis. God bless her. I know. And, and this little old lady from, from Ohio, and uh, what a fighter! What a what a dynamic person! And along now we've got a movement, and we've got people like yourself in it, and it's it's sweeping the country.
3: Mm-hmm. Sooner
0: or later. The laws will be changed because they're wrong. They're wrong. It's just that simple. And mass incarceration is wrong. I I, I think we're finally waking up to it in in America. Mm -hmm. How can we be a mass incarcerated? We've spoken against communism, we've spoken against totalitarianism, but we're the same way if you look at what we do with our people, with our rates of incarceration.
6: Well, we went through an era where I feel the prosecutors were pumped up something akin to the way a coach pumps up football players to go out and win the Super Bowl. And I frankly resent <laughs> the fact that um, I and all of the pot lifers and all the other people who are especially serving life, we were treated like trash, and we're American citizens. And, you know, I I really kind of think of prisons as trash cans that they feel they can just throw lives into. That's the way they treat us. They treat us like we're throwaway citizens. And I can't think of anything more disgusting than to treat an American citizen. And good people. I mean, so many people in prison are talented, good, wonderful people. And got swept up in in some kind of a drug conspiracy. But uh, if you well, think about do it, well, we have
1: one of those wonderful people right here on the line oh, now. Oh, good,
6: Amy. Good, good, good. Yes, can I can I patch him in? Oh, absolutely. Let him have the floor. All right. All right. We're going to bring Larry a- on. A- I'm Amy, so excited. You, Amy,
0: thank you for all you are.
6: Thank oh, of you, course, I'm going to. Lift We're keeping on
1: you. you on too, Amy. We're keeping okay, you good. on too. So.
6: We got Everybody Amy quiet.
1: and Larry is now on the line. Good morning, Larry.
6: Good
8: morning.
1: Happy Good morning, Father's Larry.
8: Day. Hey, Gene, how you doing? Happy Father's Day to you, too. Happy Father's Day, my brother. It's,
0: it's a long way from, from inside behind those uh, bars, isn't it? Uh,
8: uh. Yes, yeah, quite, a, quite, a, quite a span. Uh, it's great to be home for Father's Day. All. The, All the fathers that are incarcerated and all the families that are uh, without them today, so we'll celebrate for them all.
6: What have you been doing today?
8: Uh, Cooking steaks, (laughs) Uh, having a few Budweisers, celebrating freedom and being home with my family. Um, So we're just enjoying today. The weather's beautiful. It's about 85 degrees here. Uh, Nice breeze blowing big trees, so... We're enjoying the environment. How are you doing?
1: For those those who don't know, how long have you been free?
8: Uh, About 15 months, March of 2015.
5: How many years did
8: you do before that incarcerated,
0: Larry? I'm sorry? How many years incarcerated were you before you got free?
8: 26. A quarter of a century. So, you, did
0: you have grandchildren born during that time? Did your kids marry? What happened? What happened to, to the life of your family while you were incarcerated?
8: Well, they continued on without me, of course, but you know, I had a couple of grandsons born, and uh, and my youngest son was uh, he was only five uh, months and ten days old when I was arrested. So uh, he'll be 27 here next month on the 19th of next month. And I have a wonderful grandson by him, an eight-year-old James, who's terrorizing the party with his Nerf uh, uh, gun. He's shooting everybody, but uh, they're having fun. Yeah. Well, Larry,
6: I told them, I told him a little bit that about true to typical government fashion, a lot of talk and a lot of hype. And but I told him about um, uh, Elias. Calling and um wanting to speak to you um can can you share a little bit about what that was about, or did um just did he call you and ask you some questions or something like that but we don't is it covert or on, you know? <laughs> I think everything the government does is
8: covert in one form or yes, it is. no not not really uh, Elias was a very polite young man he he was assigned uh a uh, father's day uh uh, mission to uh, complete and he's interviewing uh all the people that's been released uh uh recently and 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 ask how their period of incarceration was and how we're enjoying life and what we're doing fundamentally and uh i sent him a white paper on 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 my project and uh, um i think it kind of di- dazed him for a minute he uh he was shocked, and then he brought another young lady in who did the blog uh melanie uh but they were very very polite they're they're both youngsters and and they have a tremendous responsibility in their job assignments to uh, to meet the the schedules and the deadlines that the white house uh, gives them so it was a it was an interesting conversation to say the
3: least. <laughs> Did what your heart hit that you your
1: toes with? when they called you when you when you hear that there's the United States government's on the phone? Did that put you in a bit of I would I probably would panic and I've never been to prison so I'm just curious as to how that felt that first second that you got that no. phone call.
8: No, no, there wasn't any pressure at all. Um, you know that the government's people just like everybody else they all put their pants on one leg at a time, so there was there was no no ill feelings or ill at ease uh, conflict with me. They're just uh, young people, young Americans uh, doing jobs. Their they're interest in politics and, and, and our political forms of Republican government are just astounding that we have so many young people involved today that have new ideas, and they're the ones that's going to bring about the change that we're all seeking so desperately. Uh, they, they, they realize, they mm-hmm. see the effects... Of, of the past, and, and, and they're, they'll be the ones to supply the remedies.
6: Uh, okay. so, you know, I couldn't agree more. To. I agree wholeheartedly, Larry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those I,
8: those kids yeah. in those positions have more uh, direct power to make change occur than, than either directly or indirectly uh, than any of us do, being outside the, the realm of government. Um, but... Uh,
0: they they have
8: they have the actual ability to implement change in plans and, and provide the future environment for the criminal justice reform that they're doing the uh the survey for so let's let's hope that they follow through in a continuing manner that that's positive um for the life of me, I can't understand why I'm we just don't lift the repeal off of Title eighteen forty two oh five and be done with it. Reinstate parole and reduce incarceration by forty five percent, and the whole yep yeah yeah and it, it requires no bills, no legislative action it can be done on a house vote on the floor, and it's done and over with. the The entire parole still intact, all the divisions and and everything is laid out clearly in Title 18. It's just a red tag they stuck on there uh, when they brought in the um, 1984 SRA. So just lift it and place the repel on uh 3551 and be done with it.
6: Did you suggest that to him?
8: I certainly did.
6: <laughs>
8: <laughs> Both of them. But, um, Larry,
0: what is the reaction to people you meet on the street when they find out that you did all of those years for a marijuana charge, nonviolent charge, no
8: victims of any kind? What's the reaction to people? Well, actually, Gene, it's an asset. You know, it uh, it kind of clears the stage of the past, and and I found it. That most of them are, are acceptable of the fact. Um, some are in awe. Some some are, are disbelieving. And then when the reality sinks in, uh, um, the amount of work I was able to accomplish within the prison walls <laughs> it seems to uh, to change all that. They they look at what was accomplished rather than what was lost. So it's a positive step going forward. Um, you know. I uh, I'd like to re, uh, redesign the whole national transportation network and that kind of befo- a <laughs> a
0: little
8: bit, you know. So. Uh, it's
0: amazing when you think of the fact that they would keep a man like yourself and, of course, so many others that are, are dynamic, intelligent, have con- contributed so much to society, and keep them behind bars all that time over a charge that's nonviolent and really is no crime that's the wild thing isn't it larry the fact is that marijuana no longer is even a crime
8: well you know we have to we have to be a nation of laws and rules of laws it's just how they've been applied disproportionately over the years you know it 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 was born out of fear tactics, and it grew into something totally disproportional to the to the realities of the of the involvement with marijuana at whatever stages that any of us were. And it's uh, it's when when morality becomes a legislative tool, then then the um, the whole thing becomes distorted. So you know we 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 lived through that experience, you know, and. It's just something that's behind us now, and you know um, I would love to see a, a confederation of convicted felons be allowed to function in our society now to give everybody a leg up and uh, um, you know let us let us stabilize our own uh, economy through our own um, credit union and and reinvent the halfway house system and our educational system to to accept these people. Uh, as I've been accepted, you know the uh, the academic world seems to so overlook the conviction with the, uh, less severity than than does the general population. And you and I both know that you know uh, juries that convict us in, in 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 the courts they're they're not well informed as as to what the laws are. And and um, you know when. When the SRA came in 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 '84, and and all the uh, statutory uh, minimums were brought in, and the statutory range changed from five years to life uh, with Hmm. a stroke of a pen, Hmm. I don't think I don't think that the general population realized the effects of that of that law. So it
6: uh, well, not only did they not realize it, they intentionally kept it secret from the jurors and that's what that's what offends me is so many things are intentionally um, kept are, are intentionally implemented the way they are um, to keep people from knowing uh, well, how much Sixth, time that, they're giving the, that, someone.
8: That's the Sixth Amendment violation that Apprendi and, 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 um, mm-hmm. um, brought to light. Uh, it wasn't the judge's Duty. It was the jury's duties to uh, to make those determinations beyond a reasonable doubt, and they've circumvented the uh, the procedure of what
1: like,
8: juries. But uh, you know, Booker and Fanfan Fan went a step further, and I still disagree with the Supreme Court finding that the court had had standing to to impose that ruling on themselves. So it, that was all a bit confusion, but. I think it, I think it laid down a, a foundational path that we can go forward on now, to uh, mm-hmm. to amend that clarity and get it back like it's supposed to be. So the process. Larry,
0: don't you, don't you think that really this thing's all about? And Amy, don't you think this thing's all about politics? That people, uh, starting with Richard Nixon, tried to to make this into a political thing that had no basis of fact or reality. There was no m- making America safer. It was just a big boondoggle. And it, so it's a conspiracy that's gone on now since the time of Richard
8: Nixon, right into our present time,
0: and mm-hmm. it's produced
8: the biggest prison system in the world. Well, we, we, we clearly have the largest prison system in the world, Gene, but, you know, um, Nixon formed a drug enforcement administration with the executive order um back in 1971 and and that was the beginning of the change following the 1970 comprehensive Con- uh, Control controlled crime bill and and that that crime bill that was that was created as an act of congress is what issued the uh, the power for the uh, uh, executive action by Nixon um it was a uh, a political ploy, uh, as most as most things are, and um, it, it, was, uh, um, it was it was it was enacted to, to during during the Vietnam War, and and um, you know the uh, the situation of the the ec- ec- epidemic of, of drug use by the culture here in America uh, that we're all very familiar with. Um, and and it was just uh, I think it was done more out of panic than out of conspiracy. Um, you know, uh, we had we had kids um, marching on Washington, 1969 and 70, uh, protesting the war. Uh, they were all smoking pot, so the correlation between marijuana and the, and the uh, protest. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm invoked invoked the movement of the laws that came shortly thereafter it was a it was a quick fix for an immediate uh, problem that was misdiagnosed from the beginning and the results as we know was catastrophic so um we're still living with those uh, Well,
6: Well, i i day. completely uh, agree with with larry and and to some degree i agree with you Je- eugene however i i I dis I disagree that it's it has that it has uh, continued since Nixon. I I don't we weren't having a drug war during the Carter administration, and it did kind of fall away. And frankly, when I became of age, um, you know, I got, graduated high school '78, but '79, '80, I moved to Dallas. And frankly, I I I came into adulthood when cocaine was everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere, and everybody was doing it in the discos and the clubs. And if you really wanted to arrest people for it, it it was in the open, and and nobody was doing anything about it. Um, And frankly, uh, I know a lot of people had horrible memories or became addicted. I had great memories, and I'm not going (laughs) to equivocate on it. I I I had a wonderful time. I don't have an addictive personality. I never got addicted, thank God. But um, I, and I know that's a strange thing to say, but I I really feel very certain on the timeline that it was the Reagan Bush administration that resurrected the drug war because it did kind of fall away, and I I didn't see a drug war happening when I was. Uh, uh, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, but uh, the mandatory minimums changed the whole game. You know, if you, everyone remembers the DeLorean case and how famous that was. It was very right. hard. Nixon wasn't using the conspiracy law the way they use it now, and people weren't getting uh, ten. In fact, if you were a first offender, you got probation in the early 80s. That was just a given and then everything really got amped up in the 80s and the late and 88 89 and as the laws changed bail reform act they wouldn't let you have bail so they could keep you in jail the conspiracy was expanded in 88 to drug crimes and that's when uh, everything they they wanted prison expansion. I'm I'm convinced. They knew this would grow the prison industrial complex, and they were closing military bases after the Cold War. And they declared war on American citizens. And then all of a sudden, those military bases were being converted to to federal prisons. And um, anyway, that's my two cents.
0: What you just hey, said, uh,
6: Amy, Amy is, I, a, is a conspiracy.
0: I, is a is a large conspiracy. Definition of you. a conspiracy is something that's done with other motives than those that are being presented. I agree. this is exactly right, exactly what you just said. And we've lived with this all this time. So really what we're saying is let's reach out with some common sense and begin like with marijuana, which is totally harmless as far as being an addictive, dangerous drug and start freeing some people, start coming back in the in this huge 2.2 million population mm-hmm. incarceration
8: rate we have in this country.
6: Right. Well, isn't it funny that if you say something like that or if I say something like that, the government um, says that, oh, we're just conspiracy theorists. But what I find funny is that every single person that goes to federal not every person, but most people who go to federal prison are there on conspiracy charges. So they use conspiracy
1: <laughs> to indict
6: us and send us to prison. But if we have even the slightest theory that they're working to some degree in collusion to 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 um grow the prison industrial complex, we're 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 nuts.
0: <laughs> well said. Well said. Okay. There's a contradiction well, guys, in what is-
1: we have um the next guest coming on and I I don't mean to cut this off so I would love to talk further about this and Amy I want to I would like to ask that you come on again and talk to us more about the progression of the drug war. I'd also like to add that the Clinton administration is where we got the three strikes laws and um you know Yeah, well he certainly uh,
6: poured fuel on the fire. There's no doubt about that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um But we are down to the last seven minutes of the show, and we have a couple more guests coming on. So Thank you um, you very much, Amy. Thank you, Larry.
8: Thank you very much. Happy Father's Day, guys. All
6: right. Have a good one. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Mimi.
8: Y'all have a nice day. Bye-bye. Okay, Mindy, who else do we got on?
1: We have your children. Um, And (laughs) so... I want to go ahead and I I, I see one of them at least. I'm not sure how we might have up to four. So uh, bear with me on getting people on the line.
0: I'm going to let you handle it because they're my kids.
1: (laughs) I get to handle your kids. (laughs) Good morning. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. Uh, This is Mindy. Good morning. I am on here Eugene's daughter, but this is Christy. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, yeah,
7: happy Father's Day.
1: Well, we all think your dad is is quite a hero to us, and so I'm really excited to hear one of the one of the wonderful things that he created in this world, which is his children. Um, So, would you like to tell us a little bit about your dad? Uh,
7: Sure. Yeah, he. you know he was very much an entrepreneur um when i was growing up and you've got to remember that you know he and my mom got married in another country but for most of what i can remember you know as a child and during my formative years and stuff i we grew up in the united states and uh you know he would talk about how involved he was whether it was at college um you know, in different organizations trying to start businesses to, you know, not just work for somebody else but to do things that made him happy. So that was what I had seen. And then, you know, in his shipping business, uh, he did end up, it was quite a shock to us when, you know, he did get imprisoned. I think it was 86, 87 in there. And, uh, yeah, it was a very hard transformation, you know, to go to prison and – experience the federal system in terms of being able to see visitors there and having to take you know his mother my grandmother and um you never knew kind of what was the next thing that was going to happen in the federal system
1: what's it been like to reconnect with him since he got out well, we were
7: we were all very excited because, you know, my grandmother, when she passed away in 2006, she was very sad that she didn't get to see my dad, so we were all very, you know, elated that he was going to be, you know, free and, and able to experience, um, you know, society again, and he always talked about, because you need hope in prison, so he always talked about the things that he wanted to do, and we're very happy that he was going to be able to do that. So it was, you know, quite a relief. It was emotionally, you know, I think all of us um, were all very excited, you know. We had get-togethers very early on that you know, showed him support and tried to help him. And I even took him to uh, get his driver's license up here in Melbourne, Florida. So, yeah, it was you know we, we are very glad that he's not in that place anymore because it's a very depressing place for a lot of people and I don't see what good it does but yeah that those are sort of my two cents on it
1: well I really want to thank you for calling in and, and talking to us a little bit and again I just want to say thank you for lending him to us every Sunday morning I imagine that cuts into family time and and other things, and um, all the support that children have to give their fathers. I want to honor you for everything that you've done, and all the Father's Days that you missed, and and um, just congratulate you on having him back. Yes,
7: and we're very happy that we have him back, and yeah, I hope we get to have him for many more Father's Days to come.
1: Eugene, did you have anything you wanted to say? No, it's my daughter, and I just thank her. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> oldest, so I guess
7: it's a good thing that he's thanking me. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes. But you're the oldest of four? Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. I have a twin sister, and then I have two younger brothers. So, yeah, when um, my dad got in prison, my youngest brother was eight. And, you know, the the horror and kind of the emotions of my dad being in prison quickly turned to worry for many of us in the family because of my mom and my 8-year-old brother. So, you know, my sister and I, we were already grown up and out of the house in college. But, yeah, it's, you know, all families who kind of go through that, they go through different levels of emotions, just kind of like with grief
1: where you go through all different stages. The same thing as imprisonment. Great. Well, I I appreciate you calling in, and um, again, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Father's Day. And um, Eugene, I have to apologize. There may be other children on the line, but um, I, we're not able to screen them right now. So, unfortunately, with that glitch, I am stuck. So at this point. Oh. Okay. At this point, I just wanted.
0: I have three other children who were. We were gonna. uh, I I was waiting, and I'm. I'm happy to be able to be a free man for them for this Father's Day and to be be with them, even though we're not physically together, located together. Uh, My son Jean, my daughter Carla, and my other son Frederick.
1: Well, I would like to invite them to to try again next week, see if we can get them on because I, I can imagine that the listener the listener family would really like to hear your family. So um, again, thank you again for coming on. Um thank at you. this point I think we're gonna go ahead and close out the show, Eugene. Normally okay. Kristen Normally Kristen would um be telling us, you know, the rest in peace and all those wonderful um, closings that she does and I'm not even going to try to pretend uh, to do it like Kristen I do want to shout out a special Father's Day to her dad Richard Flohr and, and also um, tell Kristen that we love her and we hope that she comes back next week and to all the rest of our listeners we'll go back to normal next week with the right hosts and, and all of that and things will go back to the way they should be and, And happy Father's Day, everybody.
0: Happy Father's Day, everybody. And uh, will we have a closing song, Mindy?
1: Nope, I'm going to just shut this thing down for the day.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay, everybody, all our listeners, happy Father's Day. And thank you for all who you are, and all the support and all the love that there is. Thank you.
1: All right. Okay,
0: that's the voices of the war.